Welcome, book lovers and bibliophiles. Join us now for a journey through the secret short box. Everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. We are here with another secret short box. Ooh. It's been a while since we've done one of these. For those of you who don't know, secret short box is where we imagine what would if somebody, if a famous author, writer at their desk had a little short box that they kept hidden away so that people wouldn't judge them because they, they're pretentious, I guess. Um, <laughs> they had a little short box hidden away of comics that appealed to them. What comics would these authors and writers pick? Um, today, who are we talking about? Yes, today we are talking about the queen of horror herself, Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. We are talking about Mary Shelley, classic author of Frankenstein is what she's most known for, though she has a few other novels and uh, travel book and short stories short stories and biographies and stuff like that but most people know her as the creator of frankenstein um and the you know the point of this segment is not so much to just fantasize about authors reading funny books that we find funny but also to give you you guys suggestions of books that if you're a fan of this author uh that might have similar themes similar aesthetics uh so that you can go out and try those books yes so T, what you got for us? Yes. So I have four books that I would like to share in in honor of Ms. Mary Shelley. Um, the first one is Frankenstein Underground. This was Mike Mignola and Ben Stenbeck. It's, I had to go with a Frankenstein book because I just did. Um, this takes place after Frankenstein, um, the, the, uh, doctor is dead um, and the monster is off and he is off and he is going and it follows him on his continuing journey to understand what he is, who he is and how to manage being the monster in a human world. Nice. Um, and it's just done very well. Mm -hmm. um, I was very hesitant when I got that book um, because honestly it's dangerous in my opinion to take on such lofty IPs. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going after something so classic. How how is it going to turn out? But Mignola nailed it. I mean, it's what he do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of his style. It's the art is great. It's very fitting for the storyline. It's an interesting depiction of the monster. It goes through some really interesting uh, uh, environments and scene changes. Um, it's a very, it's a really cool book. It's really good. And I definitely think she would be proud of the direction that it was taken after her completion. Um, next on my list is Mercy by Mirka and Dolfo. Um, this is a more kind of recent ish book. I think there's still issues coming, right? I don't think it's done. Um, Mercy, I think it's wrapped it up. Done? They might have another volume coming. I think okay i honestly fell a bit behind on mercy so i don't know where it that's landed, fair but i'm pretty sure it's over for now for now okay cool um this is a gothic horror book um beautifully drawn beautifully written um focusing on a female lead character who is to some extent of monstrous intent um mm -hmm. it is a cool iteration of again putting um 
kind of the monster in the man's world and how do you handle that? How do you survive? What do you deal with it? How do you deal with human moralities and all of those things? Um, it kind of is like, like Frankenstein meets uh, Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but it's a great book. And like I said, the art is beautiful and the story is really interesting and the character development is great. Um, You really kind of care about everybody in it. It it does some really clever things with character development. So I think that one is an awesome choice. And I think Mary would very much. Yeah, I can see. I can see that. Um, Next on my list, I picked explicitly because it focuses on powerful ladies in a Victorian era doing bad girl shiz (laughs) (laughs) so adler by levy tidar and paul mccaffrey um it is literally focused around irene adler of Mm -hmm. of, uh sherlock holmes fame and, and concept um and it focuses around adler um a very wealthy like baroness type um a woman who became a doctor during a war and served in wartime um and and just like really interesting sherlock holmes-esque adventures but they don't need no sherlock they got it on their own like they handle in the business they don't need anybody else like they are handling the guns and they are dealing with the bad guys and they're protecting <laughs> themselves and they don't, you know, big strong ladies don't need no man. And it's, it's awesome. It's nice. so engaging. It's so interesting. It's got the same sort of whimsy and fun that you expect from like a Sherlock Holmes esque of that period, yeah. but it's just ladies getting it done. Yeah. And I feel like poor Mary who wanted to be strong and was often held under the foot of the societal expectations of her times and the, the limitations of being married also to a writer who edited her books more than they needed to be edited. <laughs> don't don't drag Percy into this. Percy had opinions that he should have kept to himself. Percy was just <laughs> a very special man mm-hmm. with very special ideas. Mm-hmm. That he wrote. All over her drafts and into her margins, okay? Look, I have a lot of opinions about how... I know you and I don't see eye to eye on my we boy. We don't. On my boy Percy. <laughs> He's a Percy fan. I think Percy was I, a bit too mansplainy to my babe Mary, think... who literally started the horror genre. Like, stay in your lane, Percy, okay? I don't think she's... <laughs> I don't think she started the horror genre, but we'll, the we'll get to that. The modern horror aesthetic we'll get to is that. because of Mary. I think you're picking the wrong genre, but continue. Anyway, um, the monster genre, whatever. Anyway, my last choice is actually, admittedly, a book I haven't read. <laughs> <gasps> I know, I'm so How bad. How dare you? But you know what? It's a book we've talked about a lot because it's incredibly influential and incredibly important. Um, Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk is all about the monster and the man and society and the depths of what goes on inside, you know, this apparent monster. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a deep character focus on, you know, 
the identities of the Hulk and how struggling with everything as the Hulk. Um, it's an incredibly influential book. I think since it focuses on the complexity of the monster, which is effectively what Mary was trying to do with Frankenstein, you know, showing the fallibility of the doctor, you yeah. think of the fallibility of Bruce and the, the complexities and the, the trying to do what's right as the monster, but having consistent limitations because of who he is and how he thinks and how he functions and how he was built, you know, it's, there's such a direct comparison, like, Frankenstein leads into the Hulk. It's just the the doctor made the monster, but in this case, the doctor is the monster. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of one and the same. Exactly. It's a little Jekyll and Heidi. <laughs> yeah. But I think that would be, if you're into that type of, you know, looking at the complexities of the psychology of being on the outs, the external of common society, I think that's a good fit. And I think Mary would super vibe with it. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. I can see her being into really like any Hulk books. Yeah, I think absolutely. Hulk kind of vibes pretty well. With, Definitely. With a lot of romantic ideals in general. And yeah. also just Mary Shelley's kind of power and responsibility themes that she played with a lot. Definitely. Um, I think that's really cool. I have a lot of books. Um, <laughs> Who's surprised? I... <laughs> It's been a lot. Okay, so I'm a bit obsessed with the Shelleys in general. I admit I haven't really read much aside from short things and snippets from Mary Shelley. I haven't read her other novels. Um, I've just read Frankenstein and a bit of her travel thing, which I don't remember what that was called. But um, I've done a lot of stuff on. I was kind of obsessed with Percy Shelley in college. It's a thing. It informs who I am. It's true. Get over it. <laughs> Lord Byron fans, <laughs> don't at me. Um, anyway, romantic period of literature is one of my favorites. I love it. So I was really excited when T texted me that we were doing this. The problem is that excitement turned into me spending like an hour and a half going through every comic I've read and trying to decide which ones best fit the themes. <laughs> um, and coming up with like 50 and then being like, am I overdoing it? Am I thinking too hard? Am I making these fit even though these don't fit? And then pulling them away and then pulling some away because they had problematic writers who I don't want to give time on the show and things like that. Um, which one of them still kind of has a problematic writer, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> We just won't mention his name. Um, so anyway, I wanted to start with one. The first one that kind of came to my head, I was driving home from work, kind of thinking about which books I wanted to think about. And like you said, Mary Shelley very much is a pioneer of a genre of fiction. She is one of the like earliest kind of commercial, seminal, successful, critically acclaimed works of science fiction. Ah, true, yes. Without Frankenstein, without the mad scientist trope, you know, while yes, she went into this story trying to devise a horror story, and there's the classic, I think, since been disproven kind of, uh, I don't want to say urban legend, but kind of urban legend that this story was created with Mary and a bunch of her friends oh, hanging yeah. out, and they were like, let's all write the scariest, The power goes out. <laughs> scariest story, and then they all go off to their rooms, and they all come back with classic works of horror. And while that, I guess, was partially true, it was actually like they came back months later and were like, remember when we talked about writing horror stories? Anyway, um, <laughs> so even though she set out to do a horror story, we really got a ton because of her 
analysis of science and overreaching of scientists and the woes and this like all this drastically changing science in the world around her and her kind of taking a look at all that and being like what could all of this become uh it really is like one of the earlier works of science fiction absolutely and it so much has spun out of that so i was like well let me look at science fiction things let me take more of a science fiction approach namely because i had already looked at the trello and saw what you picked and i was like okay <laughs> you're really going horror so let me <laughs> let me deviate a smidge um so the first one that really popped in my head was self-made this is an image book by book. matt groom uh, and Eduardo Ferragato. Uh, and effectively, it's about a video game AI gaining sentient, sentient, sentience, gaining sentence. A video game AI says a sentence. <laughs> Everyone's impressed. He sells seashells by the sentience. <laughs> Pong is a thing of the past because, damn it, they can talk now. Um <laughs> You boys still playing that Pac-Man game? <laughs> um, sentience. Yes. Sensuality. Um, <laughs> so an AI gains sentience. And the entire book kind of goes along these themes of what is even life? What is creation? What does it mean to be created by somebody that is simply human? That is simply someone what it, what would it be like if we could interact with our creators what would we say to them um and there's a lot of those themes of life and creation that are echoed in you know the modern prometheus and frankenstein um that whole idea of like what sort of relationship would a creator and a creation have in a world where maybe the creation didn't ask to be created and specifically with a video game ai you're talking Hey, cool, you created me to die a shitload of times. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, preach, big preach, big mood. Um, and so it it was a cool book. It was short. It was only like four or five issues. Um, but I loved it when it came out. I don't remember if we were cover being at the point in time that that came out. I think we were. It might have been like one of our earliest, earliest episodes yeah, that we sat and talked about this. But self-made, it's actually spelled out like self-slash-made perfect um i also wanted to add uh this one kind of fits the same sort of bill theme wise but alex and ada another image book uh, this is an older one uh this is effectively about a man who is gifted a even though he doesn't want it at all is gifted a robotic helper uh in the form of ada female robotic helper uh in a society where people are like forming relationships with their robotic helpers and it's basically like i'm lonely so i'm gonna have this robotic helper that's kind of like a surrogate wife you know what i mean or surrogate husband i think it's if i remember correctly it's been a while since i've read this one but it's gifted to him by his mother who has one and it's she treats it kind of like a pool boy you know what i mean like he's just <laughs> young like helps around the house and makes food and he's good looking you know <laughs> well he goes on a journey he feels wrong about having this thing under his beck and call, this realistic creature. Uh, and so he goes on a journey to free her AI. And then problems ensue Stuff from that. Happens. Um, <laughs> great read. And again, really falls in line with these themes of 
life and what is life and what would it mean if our creators were this like tangible thing that we could see because in our world as we know it no matter what you believe your creator is very much an intangible thing so whether you believe in creation and you believe in a deity or deities or any sort of thing like that whether you believe in energies whether you believe in evolution all of those are very intangible we cannot see our evolution we can only see what's told to us about what our evolution possibly is we can't line up all the stages of evolution in a room and be like ah yes that makes sense so even if you're focusing on the science side it's still a very intangible thing it's true and it's an interesting thing you make because you know we can look at our parents who you know physically made us but they didn't have theoretically any control over how we came out and who we are as people and the traits that we have so we have no one to look at and be like why did you make me with blue eyes why did you make me this height and yeah it goes into that too like as biological creatures we're created because of an interaction between two individuals you know us as a person is not chosen it's not saying hey you we just turn out however we turn out Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and then we're raised into whatever nature nurture all that but when you're a robot or a synthetic or you know an amalgamation of parts like frankenstein's monster you you were selected by that person it was i'm going to build ada this is ada shipper you know what i mean and so it's this idea of like why me as i am becomes a whole bunch of questions and a whole bunch of conflict there's also a lot of conversation about control and the nature of freedom who deserves freedom why is freedom a right and things like that which does pop up both in frankenstein and a lot of other mary shelley works especially her later novels uh which focus a lot on like feminist roles and things like that um so uh, you know a lot of that tonal kind of like what makes freedom what makes control uh is in there uh next up and i swear i'm not mentioning this one just because it's one of my favorites but it is uh (laughs) lazarus by greg rucka uh and michael lark uh again we see these themes of control but we see it more akin to one of mary shelley's later novels the last man uh, which is like an apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic thing. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we see, again, this return to this idea of, like, stretching too far with science. Mm-hmm. But in this case, science stretched so far that the scientists and the science companies now are the ones kind of forming a totalitarian rule over everything. Hmm. So we've basically given in to science as the height of society yeah the families which run these pharmaceutical companies and these biotech companies and things like that they're the ones that control the government society they decide who's worthy of being of certain levels and if you're of a lower level a serf then you just fend for yourself pretty much um and i feel like this fits tonally with kind of what she was exploring because this was a book that was written during in a period where we have big pharma and we have pharmaceutical companies charging ridiculous amounts and we have privatized medicine in this country and stuff like that. Um, and all these kind of questions I feel like in a way, Greg Rucka is doing much similar work as to what Mary Shelley was doing in Frankenstein, where he was taking a look at what science is and where science is going 
uh, and kind of analyzing like the dangers and pitfalls of if we let this kind of reach too far, what sort of things could we possibly not to say that Mary Shelley was literally saying people are going to reanimate the dead, but there's a lot of ideas in that novel about what happens if science moves too fast. You know, it's more a conversation of stuff developing too fast and getting out of hand and, you know, the metaphor of creators being destroyed by their own creation. It's all there. You can read the book, take a literature class. I don't have to break it down for you. <laughs> the monster's a metaphor. The whale's not real. Uh, Snape killed Dumbledore. There, you've just learned literature. Anyway. Um... Oof. <laughs> Spoilers. I wish I could have come up with a more literary, like, third thing, but I could not think of anything else that was, like... The fish is a lie. Well, I already said the whale is well, not real. So I didn't. My mother wanna... is a fish. My mother is a fish. Um, <laughs> moving on, the last two, I'm not putting as much of a deep dive into. It's not as much of a literary deep dive. Just one of them is funny. Um, uh -oh. And one of them is. <laughs> And one of them is something that has that I just realized tonight has super Frankenstein energy, BFE, big Frankie energy. <laughs> um, and I had no idea. And that thing is Darth Vader. Darth Vader's basically Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. He's basically Frankenstein's monster. And Palpatine. <laughs> He's the mad scientist who builds the Frankenstein's monster. Oh my god. I had no idea. I was just like, what about Star Wars? Are there any Star Wars books that I was honestly trying to look for familial stuff because she has a few kind of like trends of familial responsibilities and stuff uh, in some of her writing. And I was like, oh, Star Wars, maybe. And then I was like, Darth Vader's not related. <gasps> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh my god mind wrinkled Darth Vader's just Frankenstein you guys <laughs> nothing else I'm not I'm not even the least bit surprised yeah so I thought you know she might read that and be like whoa space my novel hell yeah and then go or from there or she'd be like way to steal my stuff yeah. <laughs> anyway the last book is Mary Shelley Monster Hunter because come on. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't want to own something that's about them? Yeah, if if I went to the store and it was like Chris Early Monster Hunter, I'd be like, "Hell yeah." <laughs> I don't know who you are, but <clears throat> thanks for listening to my podcast or watching my Twitch streams or something in order to learn who I am and then also writing a book about me fighting monsters. Hell yeah. You can make me the doofiest character and i'd still be like as long as i get to carry a sword and like stab a monster i'm in it baby <laughs> hell yeah so mary shelley monster hunter uh by adam glass and olivia quartero briggs and hayden sherman uh i think that would definitely be in mary shelley's box I come on valid. you know who doesn't want to own something about also you know that she'll like pull it out and put it on her desk and be like percy Percy, where's your comic book with your you as the main character? Oh, the, oh, you don't, oh, you don't have one. Oh, it's okay, oh. Percy. I made you one. Look, and he like grabs it, and it just says like Percy Shelley: colon, Little bitch. 
Little bish. <laughs> little bish. <laughs> little bish. <laughs> So anyway, that's going to do it for us. That is our secret short box for Mary Shelley. Uh, much love, Mary Shelley. Love your stuff. You're if you amazing. haven't read Frankenstein, get out and read it. It's a good novel. It's, it's not, a short novel. It's not the, the movies that you saw in the black and the white. It's not that. It's true. It's not most of the I Most of the movies, with the exception of the one starring Kenneth Branagh? You're damn tootin'. <laughs> Most of the cinematic representations of Frankenstein are pretty far off. The nice thing is most of the comic representation of Frankenstein, while taking a lot of liberties, do a good job kind of making Frankenstein Frankenstein. Yeah, they're still pretty good. Isn't Robin Robert De Niro is Frankenstein in that one? He's the monster in that one. Yeah. Frankenstein's a monster. Isn't excuse me. um um Helena Bonham Carter in that movie yeah. too? Yeah. It's Kenneth Branagh, Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, Robert movie. freaking De Niro playing Frankenstein's monster. If I'm not mistaken, let me look that up. Fun fact, quick. it's one of those movies where Kenneth Branagh was like, I'm going to overact. Is everyone cool with yeah. it? And everyone was like, hell yeah, we're cool with it. And it's so good. Mary Shelley's, <laughs> Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from 1994. It's got Kenneth Branagh, Robert De Niro, Helena Bonham Carter. Let's see if there's Ian Holm is in that. John Cleese is in that. It's so good, though. Yeah, dude. It's good shit. It's really look, good. Look that one up. Uh, it's very, very good. It's really the only like cinematic representation of Frankenstein that did any justice towards the actual source material. I mean, you could also watch Young Frankenstein if you're feeling You can also watch Young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, without this book, we wouldn't have an iconic character. We wouldn't have the iconic themes that, you know, we see over and over about creator and creation. We wouldn't have Darth Vader. We wouldn't even have Darth Vader. Uh-huh. Take that, George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. You need to change Lucasfilm to Shelly film. Uh, it's true. <laughs> if you want more Cover B, find us on our website, coverbpodcast.com, for more episodes, other secret short boxes, um, real extras. We just had a real extra out for the Snyder Cut. It's a little movie you may have heard of. Um, and if you are interested in articles and news and fan art and fun things, you can find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram. Oh Woo! my God. Our Instagram is very carefully curated. So follow it because yeah. I put a lot of time into it to make it <laughs> nice. Yeah. True <laughs> At Cover Me Podcast. And that's going to do it for us. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Yeah. For more. Cover Cover me. me. Bye, everybody.